Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, here with the latest episode of the Housing Wire Daily Podcast. On Mondays, my guest is always Housing Wire Lead Analyst Logan Motoshami, so we can talk about the latest economic news. But before we dive in, here's a brief word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by First Guarantee Mortgage Corporation. When you work with FGMC, you're more than a customer, you're a partner. From monthly webinars and trainings to our non-QM structure desk, our mortgage mavericks make it easy for you to be successful. We're standing by to confirm eligibility, help calculate bank statements and DTI, and evaluate credit. Reach out today. Maverick Solutions products are available through wholesale and non-delegated delivery. To access our partner resources or to submit a non-QM scenario, visit fgmc.com slash maverick. First Guarantee Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID 2917. 5800 Tennyson Parkway, Suite 450, Plano, Texas, 75024. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is great to be here. What a wonderful time, right? Markets are very active now. (laughs) Yeah, I would say, is there a happier guy on the planet right now than you are? I I don't think so. Nope. This is... This is my kind of cup of tea. (laughs) Well, you know, jumping in there, top of mind for our audience is the rise in rates over the last several weeks, right? So we're averaging over 3.5% in Freddie Mac's latest survey. And those rates are so tied to what's, what's happening in the bond market. And that is your specialty. So I would love to ask you, you know, give us a primer on why are we seeing rates rise and how, how high will they go? So for me, always what I uh, do in all my forecasts is I give bond market yield ranges and the ranges tie to what you know mortgage rates should be. So for 20, 2022, it's the same thing as last year, you know, 62 basis points on the downside, 194 on the upside. So uh, the, the higher level rates, 3.375 to 3.625, you know, I know some people uh, might be quoting a little bit higher than that, but uh, we work with ranges because technically that's, that has worked for the last few decades. So what's happened recently is world yields have been rising together. And that's actually one of the things I talked about in the 2022 forecast. If you want to make a viable premise of the 10-year yield breaking above 1.94% and getting 4% plus mortgage rates, the world yields have to rise, especially Germany and Japan. Their bond yields, their 10-year yields have to rise. Germany uh, recently uh, went positive. Their 10-year yield has been negative for a while now. Uh, So that has occurred. Now, is it because Omnichrome is fading or or, or something of that nature? The bond market just kind of moves with channels and it's made a first attempt to try to get to 194. And so far it's failed, right? Uh, we got about to 190 on the uh, on the 10-year yield. And I remember just a, a few nights ago on Twitter, I was thinking, oh, I have been here the exact spot. It was in 2019. In fact, I went back into my 2020 forecast that I wrote in 2019 and took a snapshot and said, hey, listen, the 10-year yield's at 1.88%. Until the 10-year yield closes above 1.94, it gets followed through selling. Don't kind of make uh, too much of a story here because it hasn't been able to do that. And here we are in 2022. The first test of this, uh, bond yields have retreated now. The stock market's selling off. So money goes into the bond market then. We're about uh, in the mid-170s. That's pretty much looks normal. I think for me, it's it's always can you break the edges of the channel? 
which has happened in the previous expansion a few times. And right now it hasn't. So until we can break above 1.94%, we're just kind of in the same range. And always keep an eye on Germany's 10-year yield and Japan's. And then if they all could rise together, mortgage rates should rise. You could possibly get over 4%. But as of today, still, even with the hottest economic data, the hottest inflation data in decades, the 10-year yield is still below 180 currently. So according to your ranges for both the, the 10-year yield and then that, what that means for your mortgage ranges, you don't see for over 4% until, is there, is there a time that you see that rising? Or well, is it-, it, it, it really depends if world yields come together. And this, last year, I didn't even talk about this because I didn't think it could even be plausible. But this year, just because Omnicrom will fade, can the world economies come together and take yields higher? Because What's happened currently is that Japan and Germany yields have been rising. You would need that to occur for our 10-year yield to get above 2% because it's not because the economic data is hot, because the economic data has been super hot, and yet we're still below 2% on the 10-year yield. So wait until that happens. But as of right now, pricing should get a little bit better uh, just uh, from what what's happened just in the last 24 hours. And just remember, it gets really wild on the edges of channels because everybody's looking at the same thing, especially bond traders. And we'll see how that works. Well, we will continue to look to you to help us know when that, you know, when we might get over that. Let's talk about some of the articles you wrote last week. So you had um, one on existing home sales and the headline there was, did existing home sales peak in 2021? So, so what did those numbers tell you? Well, one of the things that happened in the last few months of the year is mortgage demand actually really picked up noticeably and existing home sales had been outperforming my estimates. Just like in the bond market, I like to do sales ranges to give people kind of a, you know, if we're above this level, you know, hey, we're doing better than I thought. If we're below this, then we're not. Uh, what happened is COVID-19 messed up a lot of data lines. So you have to do some major COVID-19 adjustments. And uh, 6.2 million was kind of the high-end sales range. We were breaking through that the last few months. Uh, this last number came a little bit below that 6.2 number of 6.18 million. Now for 2022, my sales ranges are slightly lower than what I talked about in 2021, about 6.16 million to 5.74 million. That to me is perfectly in line with what I've talked about, stable replacement buyer demand. That's what years 2020 to 2024 is about. And hopefully by now, people can understand things are just a little bit different in 2020, 2021, and in 2021 and in 2022 than what we saw from 2008 to 2019. And this is primarily just a demographic play. We just have a lot of Americans that need shelter. And if they're not buying homes, they're renting homes. We could see what's happening with shelter inflation as well, because when it comes down to it, demographics equal demand. So when you look at that and say, okay, it was a miss at 6.18 million, um, you know, existing homes, do you feel like that's because is there is if we had more homes for sale, would we have more sales? I've never been a fan of that. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to explain. I know. And that's why I'm asking. I, I, I am telling you, I am on an island on this, but people who know me for years, I have, I have despised that marketing theory. So in the previous expansion, whenever we had a sales miss, they go, well, there's no homes for sale. Okay, inventory was much higher back then and sales were lower. We just broke to all-time lows in 2020, in 2021, and in 2022. And sales today are higher than what we saw from 2008 to 2019. 
because a seller is a natural buyer. You know, some people sell to rent, but some people don't sell to go homeless, right? So you have to get that flow going. So naturally, when there was a sales miss in the previous expansion, they go, oh, it's inventory. We had more homes though. What's currently happening is that inventory is broken below 1.52 million, key level for me, on total inventory. And that creates price inflation above what I deem to be comfortable. And in the last few months of the year, guess what? It's winter, fall, inventory is falling, sales were rising. Don't make it any more complicated than that. Demand goes up, inventory falls, sales rise. Just keep it like that. So monthly numbers move a lot, right? We get these swings up and down. There's nothing abnormal about that. But what happened toward the end of 2021 was sales were outperforming as inventories were falling. So there are in, there is inventory there. Sometimes the monthly numbers come in a little bit softer than expected. Sometimes they come stronger than expected that you know we saw in the last few months of the year. So I, I'm not a big fan of the there's no homes to buy. There's homes to buy. We have bidding wars, right? That's You'll see it in the price inflation data. And that's what we've seen in 2020 and 2021. And hopefully it cools down in 2022. So when you when you have that range of like 6.16 million is at the top end, that's you saying this is what you see is demographically what you think is going to be the demand. Anything above this level, I would consider to be outperforming because one of the things I am not, I'm not a credit boom person, right? I, I've always said purchase application data, that index from the MBA, that should get to 300 in years 2020 to 2024. I'm not a, one of these people that thinks it could really take off from here like we saw from 2002 to 2005. That's why I keep the, keep that uh, consistent with my work over the years. But we have really stable uh, replacement buyers demand. It's not just the millennials or Gen Z. We're talking move up buyers, move down buyers, cash buyers, investors. You put them all together. Uh, sales ranges should be 5.74 to 6.16, adjusting to home price growth where rates are going to be. So, so far, we're still better than the trend I expect. So demand should be stable in 2022. Okay, let's talk about housing starts, which uh, you also wrote about for us last week. Yeah, that was a really big housing permits number. Now, one thing about housing starts and new home sales, it gets really wild on a month-to-month basis. You could have some really, I mean, there's been so many extreme takes on housing starts when it has a big miss and then a big move. So this was one of those really big positive moves that you want to kind of take it with a grain of salt. There were some uh, tax situations in the Northeast that really pushed permits up there. So just kind of remember, it's just very slow and steady for the housing start sector. And it's very slow and steady for the new home sales sector. It just kind of moves, not in a very high velocity fashion, as long as permits are growing though, right? The trend, especially the three to six month trend, it's a positive. That's a positive for the economy. That's a positive for the housing market. But as you can see, what we've seen from 2008 to even up to 2022, it had been the weakest housing recovery ever in terms of housing starts and new home sales. So naturally those two kind of work together in, in, in chemistry. So you need a lot more new home sales to get housing starts going to get single family starts to really grow again. I've never been in one of these housing boom people in terms of that, but slow and steady wins this race. In both of these stories, you talk about the fact that you have to look at the year over year data with uh, in the context of what was happening in 2020 and 2021. So when when does the data get set where we don't have to you know worry about that? So for me, January and February housing data had some spillover 
from the 2020 surge. Uh, that's why I have talked about purchase application data will have some COVID-19 cops all the way to about mid-February. So after mid-February, uh, things should start to normalize. What had happened last year is that a lot of bearish housing people in, toward the second half of 2021 saw the negative year-over-year purchase application data down 12, 13, 15. And then they you know, really went into the bearish camp. They never made COVID-19 adjustments. And just as, this is just a lack of experience. You make COVID-19 adjustments and you see demand was stable and it actually picked up. We saw double-digit growth in purchase application data after the COVID-19 adjustments rising up. So there's your mortgage demand picking up toward the end of the year. So after mid-February and after the February existing home sales report, we start to get into a more normalized. So kind of March and April reporting, we, we, we have a little bit more stable numbers to work with because we really saw an acceleration of sales and demand that spilled over into January and February data. So we're not, uh, we're not there yet, but in time, we'll get back to normal. So let's talk about inventory. We, we have talked about, uh, you know, all time lows in inventory. And you wrote a story a couple weeks ago about how, you know, the inventory crisis is continuing this year. Why is this this particular time period so important? Like here, through February through May, why, why do you call that out? Well, he, here's one thing. Um, seasonality inventory always falls. We're at all time lows in inventory with sub 4% mortgage rates and sub 4% unemployment, okay? This is not 2008 to 2019. This is a all-time low. So if you think about the NAR's number, there's 920,000 total homes available for sale. We have a population of over 322 million, okay? This is a problem. This was the, always the main concern in years 2020 to 2024 because when demand picks up, right? And then inventory falls, you have bidding wars or price acceleration. Now, what happens is the seasonality of the purchase application data uh, after the second week of January to the first week of May, the year over year numbers, you want to keep an eye, uh, an eye on that. If housing is stable, then you see flat, a little bit positive year-over-year data when you make some COVID-19 adjustments. That's pretty much going to be the volume for the year. After that, total volumes always fall after May, right? Every year I see this people, they see volumes falling. They go, oh, housing's crashing. Every year they don't make the adjustments that it's very seasonal. So you can't put too much weight into that in terms of the volume. So right now we're already almost in February. So February, March, and April, you got to have a good idea of how the year is going to be. And so far, demand is stable, right? And the problem is if demand is stable, it's really hard for inventory to rise too much, which it will because every spring and summer, inventory rises and then it falls in the fall and winter. So be careful. There's always these marketing gimmicks about, oh, look, inventory is really rising. It happens all the time. It's that 1.52 to 1.93 level for the NAR's total existing. We want to get back there. Now, that's historically very low inventory, but it gets us back to maybe a 30-day plus uh, days on market. It's a little bit more stable housing and not so much uh, heat like we've seen in 2020 and 2021. So what are you looking at this week? That's a great recap of, of what you have been doing. What, what are you looking for this week? What are you keeping an eye on? So I'm keeping an eye on that 10-year yield, seeing does it crack over 1.94% or do we just make a really aggressive uh, uh, move down lower in yields? And we got the new home sales report uh, coming up. And because of that, it's uh, uh, that really moves around the monthly, monthly supply data and housing starts. So the builder's confidence have picked up and a slight decline in the last one. So really not too much is happening. And there, but it's enough. We have enough demand in new home sales to push housing starts forward. And remember, it's not all single family. There's multifamily construction. But again, with 
housing starts, it just takes forever to close and finish a home. And I think it's the, it's the longest lag time ever from construction to actually the product being finished. And again, we have all these issues. It's such an unfortunate time. This is the most unique period of housing in our history. And we had a global pandemic and we're dealing with all of this uh, issues out there. So, Logan, you have been, I mean, for a couple of decades, you were a loan officer yourself, right? Um, you you started doing economics um, about a, a decade ago and have, have grown into that in your career. You're now our lead analyst, but you feel the pain of, of LOs everywhere, right? As you see mortgage uh, rates rising. So, you know, what advice would you give? Are, are, should they be panicked? Is it, is it about to just take off? Well, I, I feel for anybody that didn't have a rate locked and they're floating, um, again, I, I stress this to any loan officer, find some friends that follow the bond market, find levels. I know a lot of people push on the mortgage-backed securities, and that's, of course, that's a very important thing, but bond technicals are really where the action is at. So key levels matter. And as of right now, that at least for me, that key level didn't break. So it, for, for, for currently... Pricing should get a little bit better out there, but you got to remember if that level breaks, that has not broken since 2019, uh, that would be a big deal and you can get 4% plus mortgage rates. But as of now, uh, pricing should get better, but you need to verse yourselves with a bond market. And I know people tell me you have to dumb things down. I do not like dumbing things down ever. Okay, Dumbing things down means that you're not incapable of learning. Okay. I believe in all of you are capable of learning. Find friends or or follow me on, on social media um, that know, know the bond market and what's going on because these things matter. That long-term downtrend in the 10-year yield since 1981 is intact, it would have to go above t- uh, 270 on the 10-year yield to break that long-term downtrend. The trend is your friend. It has been here for four decades. Some of you haven't even weren't even born in 1981, so you wouldn't even know when it started. So uh, uh, bond, bond yields matter, economics matter, uh, even to mortgage rates. And there's a technical story about where mortgage rates should go or, or where they are. That has nothing to do maybe with the growth is too hot, inflation or anything. There is a long-term downtrend in, in, in yields. That matters more than anything else. You know, and and I'll I'll just put in a plug here. In a couple of weeks, we are going to have a virtual economic summit with you, with Selma Hap from CoreLogic, with Marina Walsh from MBA. Uh, we've got um, we've got the economist from uh, Zillow joining us. We've got someone from Maxwell joining us. I mean, it's going to be a great roundtable discussion because we're going to have a whole month's worth of data. Um, you know, all of you guys did 2022 forecasts and have your your eyes on here's what to to look for. And we're gonna, just going to dive in. And then there's going to be a discussion between you about about the places that you agree and the places you disagree. So it's going to be a really great opportunity for people to learn, hey, this is what's coming next. It's always great when nerds can debate each other. So uh, <laughs> it should be a lot of fun. We will all benefit from from you guys uh, talking together and giving us a sense of what's going on next. So, Logan, as always, pleasure to have you on. Thanks for uh, doing so much for our audience. Um, everyone who follows you, if they want to read your articles, they need to be HW Plus members. Well worth it. They're getting incredible insight um, for, for that uh, yearly subscription. So thank you so much. My pleasure to be here always. Looking for more insight into what will happen in 2022? Or maybe you need more information on what in the world is happening with the federal regulators. Or you could just be looking for information on how to stay competitive as the industry shifts to a purchase-focused market. 
Our HW Plus premium membership comes with all of this insight and more. With your HW Plus membership, you'll get at least five HW Plus articles a week that dive deeper into the daily news to help you confidently make business decisions. To join, go to housingware.com forward slash membership. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. I hope you have a great afternoon. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on all the hottest stories crossing our news desk daily. The podcast is now available wherever you like to listen. Make sure to tune in tomorrow.